Kia ora, koe. that means hello, and how are you? Um, even though I'm from New Zealand, I am not Māori, but I don't know, to try my best to speak the kōrero, speak te reo a little bit, try to be a good influence on our daughter, even though we're living in Australia, we uh, show her a bit of te reo every now and again. Well, what I do know, I don't speak Māori fluently, but no, it's good. Anyway, the reason why I start off with that is one to, sh- you know, show the audience who I know a lot of you out there are from the US, also a few Aussies, um, that I am a Kiwi, and in New Zealand we speak Te Reo Māori less and less, or maybe more and more. Who would know? It uh, goes round and roundabouts as we acknowledge the ancestors of the land, and this guest on episode. 71, unbelievable, is Brady Tatonka, and he is of Native American heritage, but that's not really the story. Um, Brady came to us through Kaifanu. She's been over in the States having a hell of a time with a Naked and Afraid colleague, uh, Laura Zera, and having a hell of a time, as I said. She was part of Winter Strong with Soronex which when I saw Derek Woodski, you might have seen me doing Woodskiisms on my Instagram. When I saw Derek Woodski, he said he was off to Winterstrong and Laura Zera was there and I knew Kai was hanging out with Laura. I immediately messaged her and said, oh my God, are you going to this? And her answer was yes. And I said, you are going to have the greatest time with the most amazing people. Sure enough, she was blown away and she managed to introduce me to a couple of awesome, incredible mind-blowing people and one of those people was Brady which got us to this podcast when I got off recording the podcast I had the absolute shakes I 100% mean that I put up a a little post on stories and said I was shaking I had the shakes this is an incredible story Brady's been a sniper with the Marines six times over um, both in Afghanistan and Iraq and he's dealt with a lot um, including PTSD, as you can imagine, it's a crazy thing, war, I don't know quite what to think of it, it's been something that's been part of human society forever, whether or not it's right or wrong, I guess, depends on which side you're on and what sort of arguments you can make, but yeah, Brady is part of that, part of the US Marines and doing a very specialist role in that, now he rides bulls and is one epic man, and I'm glad that he's here to tell the tale. I hope you enjoy this. It's absolutely massive. I'm super proud to bring it to you, and once again, I want to thank Kaifanu for introducing us. Sit back, relax, enjoy. This is awesome. Kia ora, everybody. I'm sitting here with Brady. Now, this is so cool, and I love how this is the positive thing of how social media works. Um, my friend Kai, who got introduced on social media, um, and then now I've had the pleasure to meet in person and I've had on the podcast a couple of times. It was at a pretty cool event put on by Soronix um, a week and a half ago. And uh, Winter Strong. Winter Strong. <laughs> and then another social media um, influence of mine, Derek Woodski, usually posts some great things with coffee and has gone a bit silent. And Brady, what sparked you to start the hashtag Woodskiisms? <laughs> um, so Woodskyism is just obviously his last name is Derek Woodsky and this guy is probably one of the most I don't know 
um, how would you say, profound minds of the <laughs> athletic and just outdoor world. Um, and, he, and he doesn't even try to be, he just, he just is. Uh, his, his story is an amazing one. Way more interesting than mine, but, you know, I'll try to do my best for the show's sake. Uh, but, yeah, he, uh, he used to do this thing every morning where it was just um, a profound saying of, of something that he, he went through or, or something that was a joke to him. Or, or, like, the other day he did the International Women's Day. Um, and it, so we all just kind of started calling it Woodskiism. And, um, I mean, if you can ever have a chance to sit down with Derek Woodski – and literally just have no time limit and talk, you will not be disappointed. So uh, I try, I hadn't seen that in a while. And so I was like, you know what? I came back from Winter Strong and grabbed my cup of coffee and just kind of stared out the window while I was just kind of reflecting on it all. And I was like, this would be a good time for some whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it how it's always like this. Black, you know, he doesn't even call it coffee anymore. It's like, you know, black gold or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, he likes to do the equivalent of yeah. something really, really, you know, high speed or a really, really great in this world. Um, whether it be, you know, like the other day with International Women's Day, it was like the the liquid equivalent of International Women's Day. It's so great, you know, it's just <laughs> the way he puts things is awesome. Uh, um, and you talk, you say about, you know, he could just talk. Um, Maybe that's why he had to cut the podcast short, but he did an awesome series of podcasts talking with his mates from the strength and conditioning realm. And yeah, like you say, they just went and went and went. And there was just gym after gym after gym. And honest as well, honest and raw opinions. And, and I'm, I'm sure you probably uh, got a bit of that last week at Winterstrong. How did you get there? And, and what was that like when Kitewing... So, Derek said that he was going to be there with Laura and a new car was with Laura. I was like, are you going to this? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to be there. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was, I'm so glad that she came too. Um, uh, it, was, it was a very inclusive thing with it being the inaugural one. We, uh, we really wanted to see how it would go. So uh, the fact that she, uh, you know, she told me, she was like, I asked Bert, I didn't want, I wanted to be polite. <laughs> and Bert said, yes, absolutely. Come along. So, um, so the way I got involved with Sornex, um, was just kind of, we'd have to start like four years ago when I met Bert through Rogue American, who's out of Austin, Texas, um, West Whitlock. So fast forward to 2016, uh, Bert heard that I was guiding hunts, elk hunts up in Montana, um, in the Western part of the state. And so Bert for his 40th birthday was like, Hey man, uh, I kind of want to go shoot an elk again. I was like, Hey, I'm your guy. And we spent, you know, almost two weeks up there on that mountain and, you know, old hunter's cabin and everything like that. And it just, uh, or it was kind of a canvas tent, you know, just tried to keep minimal footprint and everything like that. So it just, I mean, that was probably one of the most um, coolest guiding hunts that I've ever had to do, um, had the pleasure of doing. And so, um, with my military career and everything like that and, and, and growing up the way I did being native American, having the beliefs and the spiritual uh, bond with the earth that I have, it's, it's just kind of something that he asked me to do, you know, as a friend. And, and I said, yeah, he goes, I was like, what, what would you like me to do? He said, 
Um, well, I'm thinking of this idea. Uh, so it, it's kind of a winter strong, like, I don't know if I'm going to call it that yet. And yeah, he goes, I, I want something because summer strong, which happens May 18th, usually around every year, which we're coming on number 12 this year. Um, everybody just looks at it as a recharge, you mm -hmm. know, and it, you have all these Olympians, these professional athletes, you know, I, I come from the professional bull riding side and, and, and all the way to, uh, Adam Nelson, a, a gold medal thrower and everything like that. But everybody checks their egos at the door. Everybody sees that as a sanctuary. And so everybody was like, man, it, a year is almost too long. Mm -hmm. And so Bert was like, Hey, what do you think about this? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I stick with winter strong. Everybody was like, yeah, stick with winter strong. So I was like, he goes, well, would you, would you teach, uh, you know, field skills, like some tracking, stalking, um, camouflage type, type stuff. And I said, absolutely. Um, and that just kind of derives from the Native American side growing up the way my father taught me out in the, you know, we, we learned on the ranch in Mason, Texas, which is deep in the hill country. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I've never been to Australia, so I, I'm trying to, you know, put it together with something like that. If you've ever been to South Africa, it almost has like a similar look to that. Um, not on the coast, but inside. So I, I grew up listening to dad, listening to my uncle tell me, you know, how to track, how to look for sign, how to find my way at night, how to find my way anywhere. And um, then in the military, you know, I went through the schools I did. And so Bert was like, man, I need you here, man. Let's do it. And I said, Roger that. So. No, that's awesome. Uh, I need to come over to Texas and learn some skills. <laughs> yeah. um, my, my my biggest problem is 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 not so much the the plains and like the South, South Island of New Zealand's more open country and um, big mountains, but when it comes to the North Island of New Zealand, it's a lot of bush and I go you know go well how am I going? I look at my GPS and see I've gone around in a circle and so <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like a little so, baseball. <laughs> yeah, this looks familiar. I've been here before. Oh, so I have. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, there's there's a lot before today, but who is who is Brady today? Um, today, at this very moment, uh, just recently, and you catch me at a good time in my life because, and I have no problem telling you whether I'm going through good or bad. I've been through enough that, you know, I'm at that point now where I just, you know. Don't give a rat's ass about who is going to say something or, or who is going to be like, oh, what have you been through? I just don't care. I just want to get it out because I've seen over the past weekend or over the past couple of weekends at Summer Strong, you know, every, people came up to me afterwards and were like, man, you're, 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 the way you taught, the way you talked about the land, the way you told your story in the white space time that we had with your hip pocket uh, you know, people coming up to me at, I think I stayed up with Adam Yonke for his Journal Mountain Hunting out of Canada podcast. Amazing guy, by the way. Um, till 3 a.m. just just talking about, I mean, we went pretty deep and there were about three other guys there. And that was kind of like the, the capstone on top of getting my story out. I've spoken at, you know, Liberty University in Virginia and everything like that. But I don't know what it was about that past weekend. Um, so 
I felt that, that, that change, that, that energy, um, you know, in Apache culture, we believe in, you know, the spirit that lives within all things. And it's, it's, it gives you that energy if you just let it, you know, if you just live in that moment. And I came back and, you know, I, I wanted to get up in the morning. Um, even though my body still hurt or, or migraines, I was like, you know what? I had a new attitude on some, on, on this. And cause I have post concussive migraines from getting blown up and overseas. And, um, you know, sometimes my, my joints, I've got arthritis from my accident or, or even just all the, the crap we went through in the military and my body will lock up in the mornings. But you know, when you, when you have it down in here and you feel that and you literally are, invincible mm. and, and nothing's going to stop you. And, and honestly, it's been a while since I felt that. Um, I think the last time I felt that was when I got moved over or when I became a Marine, first mm -hmm. of all, you know, back in 2006. And then again, and that feeling didn't leave until reality set in when Marine Corps was like, Hey, um, Look, we know you've done a good job. You, you got no black marks, no what we call NJPs, non-judicial punishments. You know, no, nothing against you. You got medals of valor, um, all these deployments, all these schools. But we just, we just don't need you anymore. We got too many people. You know, mm. and um, I think that's when that feeling went away. That mm. that confidence that people call it, but I, I feel it's some so much deeper than than just confidence. You know. Um, and a lot of us owe a lot to Bert Soren of Sorenex. He is the hub of all of us spokes, so to speak. Uh, it's, that, that's the best way I can describe that. I mean, that guy, I'm one of the youngest guys around that crew, uh, being 30 years old. And it's, they're all like big brothers to me and, and big sisters. So, I mean, it's amazing. Fantastic, mate. Um, one of the motivators to start this podcast was um, listening to Everyman podcast, and they've just sort of brought on Aaron Blaine. I think I think he was uh, Green Beret. I, I might be wrong with with that, but they've just done a um, civilian uh, military integration camp, and again, it was, it was the same thing of of a group of diverse people that came together and I think at, at the start they had a bit of a blue, but, um, you know, through opening up deep talking and, and finding this common ground, they just had this powerful feeling. And, um, you spoke there about being caught in some explosions and there was a, there's a few, uh, professional athletes in, in that crew. And, and one of the things they had in common was this feeling of, Hey, dealing with, uh, concussion and, and stuff, you know, it can get you down. It can change your mindset. It can creep up you on you in the middle of the day. You know, you just don't feel like yourself. Um, I guess that's one of the things of, of, of hanging out with athletes. Athletes is they've got this brotherhood or, or, or team spirit, and, and then they've also got these injuries and soreness and a lot of concussions. <laughs> um, yeah. what, what what is it? How does it sort of affect your life, and what do you do to manage it? Um, so injuries that I sustained overseas, um, you know, a, a lot of the time we'd, we'd take an explosion in the truck and blow, you know, 
blow our back right tire 100 meters off to the right and we're just kind of all in there you know like on the cartoons with birds going around our heads or, or some of us are actually you know out for you know 10 15 seconds um to you know a rpg coming in and, and hitting just on the other side of the wall so it's not exactly the noise that's going on um you know like with professional athletes it, it's that shock wave mm. that goes through that triggers almost a chemical imbalance or, or, or so the doctors tell me <laughs> um uh and i i deal with you know that that short-term law memory loss and then you know uh just that overall recall irritation um you know I, i've got the lights at a certain dimness because you know you kind of get that that feeling behind it but um there, there's a lot of different ways to deal with it but i feel like the thing that's helped me the most is to you know have that that group have have those people that really care about you and all the motivation in the world is not going to get you through the day when you have something that severe going on, you, you know, especially like my cell phone, I've been through six of them. Um, it wasn't something that we really wanted to say we, we went through because it would take us off the line, take us away from our team and stuff like that. Um, so we would always just kind of grin and bear it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really irritating when you when you go down to look and, and read a book or something like that and everything's backwards, mm -hmm. you know, on top of, you know, the post-traumatic stress, which induces, and the TBI, they said it, the, the post-traumatic stress induced the kind of um, ADHD and a dyslexia. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> that thing is like, oh, can I read? Oh, I, I can't wait. What was that? You know, it's just always going and never feeling like you're doing enough coming from the op tempo that we did. So to transition into a civilian sector, to the private sector or whatnot, it's you have to keep an open mind. You have to keep finding, you know, that vantage point of that. And it's ever changing that, that vantage point that's going to help you gain that perspective in order to make it through just even that day. Hmm. Um, but to even just get to that point, it's, you're going to need some support. And whether you feel the support from, you know, the government or, you know, the government programs that are set up or um, your family or, or your, your comrades or, or whatnot, have them there. Don't, don't, do not shy away. Do yeah. not keep your, you know, that that's on top of depression and anxiety and everything like that. That's the worst thing you can do. Um, so I was going through some TBI treatment recently here in Dallas um, through a nonprofit called the boot campaign. Um, and they, they showed me the scar tissue. They showed me all this other stuff. And, um, you know, I had that little machine on my head and do the running kind of like an EKG. And then I'd sit and do like this, this dot tap testing where you, where you see how fast you can do it. And, uh, you know, they, they have our charts at a certain level because there, there was no way that they know what we would have scored prior to our concussion or, or to our injuries or, or whatnot or, or the blast. So they have to almost consider the op tempo that we run our minds at mm -hmm. 
and it's pretty much like sitting in an AP Latin class, <laughs> but on tactics, combat, and everything like that. Um, and so they, they, they take that in consideration as well and realize that these tests compared to someone that, you know, I mean, not, not to take away from anybody that had a different job that, that didn't really have to use that fight or flight mode 24 seven of the day is going to be a, a little bit different. And so the, the testing on that was pretty extensive. I remember the first day I was like, Hey, I got this halfway through that first day. I hadn't walked maybe 50 yards the whole time, but I sat in a chair and I had that, you know, the brain cap on with about 240 wires coming out. Um, I was spent after that first half day doing those, um, those mind games, I guess you can call them, uh, the, the, the testing and everything like that. And man, when you take a break after your brain's been at such a high level of operation and you don't, you don't, I mean, it literally, you, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. And, um, it, I was tired. I was smoked. And I was like, man, I, I got three more weeks of this. <laughs> All right. Let, let's give it a go. You know? So. Yeah. Mate, um, we're lucky enough to have Michael Lewis, Dr. Michael Lewis on, who's involved with the military and in, in researching, um, traumatic brain injury. And, and, so have you messed around with any CBD or, or, um, fish oil in the treatment? Uh, I was told to just kind of stay, um, neutral throughout it all. Then I told, I asked them because of my back pain, I, mm. I, you know, I've, I've got, I developed scoliosis from all the gear and, and, and all the, you know, I, I took a step. We, we came into contact one time. I took a step, wrong step off of, six foot drop and I landed right on my butt, slipped a disc. Yeah. And you know, on top of that, so I was like, hey, I gotta take something for this pain. The C B D, you know, it's it's non-narcotic, you know, and they're like, okay, let's give it a go. Well when I started doing that C B D, I started to notice um at the same time the the mental the, the mental fatigue kind of subside a little bit. And and it was like I, I would notice if it was just me getting used to it or if it was the CBD doing, you know, I, I've, I've come to learn my body, you know, not just being through the military and, and all this testing, but as an athlete, you know, your you know, your body. And, um, that I would highly recommend, like I just came from my buddy's father's house who, um, he, he's army SF and he'd been taking CBD for five months now. Yeah. And, I mean, he just had a stroke and he doesn't feel any pain, he, no back pain or anything like that. Um, and he, he, he won't kid you. He's one of those, one of those guys that will tell you straight up. And so I, I told him I was doing the same thing. I've been on it for about a year now and I absolutely love it. Um, I know it, it's it, the, well, I, I'd say that kind of like melatonin. I, mm. I remember I'd melatonin back in the day to like while I was overseas to help me sleep and then my body would gain a tolerance to it mm. and that was the main thing I was so worried about with with CBD and I was like man and I was I was against it it's not that I was against it I was just skeptical uh for a lot of the time thinking that what's the point if I'm going to develop a tolerance to it finally I was just like you know hey let's do it um 
it helps. A, it, I mean, it doesn't completely take the migraines away. Um, mm-hmm. But I think because of my daily activities and everything like that, that probably doesn't help as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it does help me calm down at night. It helps me gain what sleep I can and um, that definitely helps with the pain. So. Mm. Absolutely. And being a hunter, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, meat in your, in your fridge and freezer, but do you try sort of eat in a certain way, you know, uh, uh, low inflammatory or, or keto yeah. or yeah, anything like that? Um, I, so through the boot campaign, they put us to um, what's called the Cooper Clinic and they have a dietitian there and she took my blood. She told me, okay, you're O positive. I'm going to throw you on a keto diet. I said, all right. And so I was on keto for about a year and a half. And um, not only that, I was trying to get back into uh, professional bull riding, which I, I grew up breaking horses and riding bulls for my high school and then rode a little bit in the Marine Corps. Um, and so I was training as well. So I was like, okay, this, this is going to double and help me out. And um, after about a year and a half, it just kind of um, – I started to get a little bit, I started to notice a lot of fatigue, losing energy and everything like that. And then switched over to a Mediterranean and everything like that and, and add a little bit more carbs. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, you have to, you can't just take one thing and expect everything else to fall in play. You know, it, it's a recipe, mm. so to speak. So it, the diet, CBD, um, sticking to a regimen, it's, it's, we're creatures of habit. That's why we survived for so long, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, mate. Um, <clears throat> what you said, you said I've had this. You know, the day you got into the Marines, you had this real sense of purpose and joy in your life, and then the day it ended was when things started to feel odd. What was what was the integration like, and and what drove you to go? Hey, I'm going to go back to bull riding, despite the injuries and things that you that you had. Um, man, so getting out, it, the best way I like to describe it is, you know, they say like for an entrepreneur is like jumping off a cliff with airplane parts and building it on the way down. Well, (laughs) when you get out of the military, it's basically like that whole cliff is part of, is the military and it just drops you off and 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 you're left looking up and everybody's looking over like see a dude you know and um the transitional part was really tough you know I, I went through a lot of a lot of times where i felt like i was betrayed um and because on the on the on my d24 sorry it's gonna go. <laughs> um so on my d214 which is the paper you get when you um get out you know, it says honorable discharge is great. And then it was like right next to it, reduction of force. Um, so that, that, you know, that had a huge influence on, on kind of how I took it. And, you know, we, in the community that I came from in the military, we didn't really talk too much about it. Um, we were taught to blend in. We were taught to not show pain, suffer in silence, you know, suffer patiently, patiently suffer. And that's one thing in the sniper community within the Marine Corps that, that 
we pride ourselves on it, that we can do more with less, with all this crap going on in our head and not show pain. Um, by all means, that's great while you're in it. Mm. Post-military, I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> it uh, you know, on top of, you know, the friends I lost or, or countless, or the, I mean, multiple deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, um, everything that happened over there, you pile it all on top. And like I said earlier, there, there's recipe for good. Well, there's also, you know, like I said, a recipe for disaster. So it, it's just kind of like at that point where you're like, you're like, crap, man, uh, this sucks. Mm. And the next day it's like, man, this sucks even more. <clears throat> you realize it's a week later and you haven't slept and you're losing weight. Mm. So you go to the VA. They, uh, they put you on a bunch of meds. Mm. Okay. Um, eight different kinds of meds. Antidepressants stacked with Adderall and Vivant stacked with Trip, tramadol and, and flexerol and all this other stuff um and you know some people gain weight because of meds and i just kept losing it and it, it was not doing me any good it was not doing and so i just i, I kicked the meds and, and went through a couple cannabis studies um cbd with being a being a big cannabinoid that it or the uh on that side of the holistic side and because i figured you know we we made it, we made this place, we made this earth before all these pharmaceuticals have been here. There, there's got to be something natural and holistic that, that, that's going to work. Mm. And, you know, it, on top of that, it's, it's, it was me just feeling like I want to give up. Um, and then the next day I was like, the discipline kicked in, which discipline will beat motivation any day. And I was like, get up get your ass out of bed. You're not fucking going out like this. You know, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, literally I, I would, I, I can't count the days, man, where I would scream at myself to get out of bed in the morning. Um, you know, I, I don't think my neighbors liked it very much, but um, you know, you do what you got to do. And just like in combat, you know, you can't forget the guy to your left and right. They're always going to be there to, to, to help you out. You know, like the Recon Sniper Foundation, which, you know, started with some buddies in the Marine Corps to, you know, bring us all together as a small community because we're considered the bastard children of the Marine Corps. You know, everybody forgets about us. So, <laughs> uh, at the same time, it was, you know, them, Sorenex, just everybody, Rogue American, all these guys started to band together because – when you, it, it, we, we weren't especially receptive to the fact of people who hadn't been through what we had been through telling us what we should be doing, mm. you know, for stuff that we went through that they had never been through. And I know that's the big thing. And, and yeah, they're just trying to help. It's like, Hey man, you can sit there and, and, and yell at me. I'm just trying to help all you want. But is that really helping if you're trying to defend yourself that you're just trying to help? No. We need real help and you need to have the maturity to say, Hey, I don't know what you're going through this. I don't know if this is going to work, mm -hmm. you know, but let's find out. It's like, that's what 
really got me was like all these people were telling me this is what you need to do okay where's your credibility on that where did you learn that have you been through combat have you been through six tours of combat have you been through 10 have you even been through one have you seen your your two guys that you're solely in charge for go down day one day two of a six-day operation you know have you have you seen your best friend lose his leg no so who are you to be telling me this and so all these guys as a community recon sniper foundation boot campaign you know sornex rudy reyes um all these guys started coming together and just like hey especially sornex sornex not being a military you know a a, a a primary military company they they are what they are a bunch of grade a athletes who have such a mind for legendary things that they were like dude the military is one of the most legendary things in all history it it, it has helped shape this world whether it be good or bad mm. but these guys come home and we're not going to do it wrong we're, we're going to help them out and so that's how Sornex gets pulled in like they 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 pulled themselves in because they wanted to help that's just who Bert is that's who the Soren family is that's 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 what Pops wanted to do he saw something back in the 80s and didn't like it and was just like you know what I'm not gonna wait till someone tells me what I can and can't do I'm just gonna do something and so Bert being who he is Pops son Richard Soren's son was like hey these guys in the military are great I'm not gonna wait for anybody to say something I'm going to go out there, meet these guys and invite them in because they're, they're fucking legendary. And the epidemic of the veteran suicide was really pissing Bert off. It, mm. it pisses all of us off, you know, and as much as we don't like to talk about it, it's come to fruition a lot the past, what, about four years. Um, so it's, yeah, we, we, we banded together mm. and I, there's still a lot of guys out there. They're like, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm like, all right. And even if that's, you know, if I sit there and say, call him one day, Hey, you good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm good, man. I don't need anything. Okay. Talk to you later. Even just that. I remember getting calls like that from Bert, you know, two 30 in the morning. Hmm. Even just that he knew that, he didn't have to talk to me very long because he would go through me rejecting him every day as long as he was able to hear my voice and know that I was alive. Mm. That, you know, you, you, you can't teach that. It, mm. it, it's something that all of us have down inside. We just have to let it go and, and let it come up to the top, you know? And so we all started working together and, and, and one thing led to another and, and, um, you know, Sornex thing is, is be legendary. And like I said, we all have it in us. We just have to be able to find that right recipe in order to bring it out and let it taste good, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So. What, what, do you, what do you think it says that <clears throat> one, you're awake at 3.30 a.m. and two, despite the fact that you didn't necessarily want to talk to Brett at 2.30 a.m. You still picked up the phone and said g'day and, um, yeah, I'm good. And that was that. What do, you, what do you think that was saying about the, the headspace you're in? Um, 
it was almost knee-jerk reaction when I would answer. Yeah. You know, you don't want to talk to people, but yet you want people to remember you're still there. Yeah. Um, you know, being a – in 2012, after my fourth deployment, um, I put a gun in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've been at the bottom bottom, and, and pulled that trigger, and it didn't go off. Huh. You know, it – yeah. So I've never sweat, cried, laughed at myself so much in one time than I did for the next six hours after that. Um, I took all the mirrors in my house down. I couldn't even look at myself um, during that time in my life. And I remember feeling since then, I, I, from then until I got out of the Marine Corps, I suppressed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went on deployment mode and stuck it in the back of my head and, and just locked it up and forgot about the key. Getting out, um, somehow that key kind of, I don't, I don't know if it was the key that opened that box in, my, in the back of my head back up or if it was just all the wear and tear of the emotional, mental, and spiritual and physical feelings jarring the box loose well they got out and you sit there and you're like i don't want to fucking talk to anybody just leave me the fuck alone i just want to be on the ranch in texas working horses or in montana working horses and then at the end of the i remember at the end of the night i i would i would drink you know a a glass of whiskey or something like that and and because during that time in 2012, I, I, I was putting away three bottles of Glenlivet 18 a week. Um, I, and the thing that stopped me from that was the price went up and I was out of money. I was out of the Marine Corps. I was out of money. And I just kind of looked at myself at that point. I was like, man, this is pathetic. And I, I decided to quit drinking. And that's when I went to a more holistic way of suppressing the pain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it got to a point where I could even just drink in my coffee in the morning. I, I would just start just bawling. Mm. I would just bawl or, or the next day I would just sit there and, and grip my coffee cup so hard, so hard that the handle would break and the ceramic would cut my hand or I, I would just sit there and bang on the table, just all these different emotions trying to get out at once. And I would see my phone ring and I, and I had to end up changing my, my ringtone almost every week because of the anxiety that it would push on me because I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh crap. Do you think they know what's going on with me? I, I really hope they don't, they don't know what's going on. I'd be really embarrassed. And this is back when I, I, I thought people, that when I cared about what people thought, you know, it's in retrospect, they care to care about you. That's why they're calling, you know? And, and at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I'm so fucking lonely. Mm. I'm so, so lonely. I just wish I had someone here. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it's that internal battle. So that need, I'm, I'm so thankful for that knee-jerk reaction of just, you know, grabbing the phone and just like, what's up? Mm. He's like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Um, 
just sitting here watching a chick flick, you know, or, or cause, yeah, I mean, one thing that even to this day, um, you see my TV back in the background and, uh, I would, <laughs> there's three shows that I can watch that that'll calm me. Um, and that's the office, the American office, um, how I met your mother and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, the big bang theory. Yeah. So, just even, I mean, I could play the office tune all day and it would keep me calm. Reason being is because we didn't have TVs over there. We would pass around a terabyte hard drive of, of movies and other movies. And, uh, <laughs> and it would just, um, you know, that, just that mental aspect of it. When we would come back from a mission or before we go or, or something like that, it, we weren't always listening to heavy metal and headbanging and all that stuff. It's like, man, I was, I remember listening to instrumental music by Balmoria or, or something like that. And I can listen to them and be totally fine or, or, or some, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Metallica, but I could even just throw on the office, not watch it. And just that, just that, that, that beginning sound <laughs> is just like, Hey man, nothing's going to hurt you right now. Cause you're in a place where you're watching the office and this is where in your mind you would go in between missions to escape and, and kind of decompress for that little time that you had in between that. Um, and, you know, I, I wake up in the morning, I don't even watch it. I just throw it on and hear Michael Scott or, you know, or some, some random thing going on. And, and it just, I mean, I'm, I'm no brain doctor. I'm no, any of that but at the same time I, I can understand how the the labyrinth that is the mind and the psyche that is just it, it amazes me mm. that something so simple can can put me at ease but yet something so simple as a ringtone can set me off to where I just go and throw all the furniture in my house mm. right. I like you said, there's, there's no way that I can understand what, what that's like. And <clears throat> thanks so much for sharing that. You know, obviously the VA has a lot to deal with, but in, in the circumstance of you going there for help and all you end up with is eight, eight medications, which take you on a different path. And, you know, we, we don't... Hang on, you broke up. Oh, what's going on? Am I back? <laughs> Uh, yeah, last thing I heard was VA. Uh, right. So what I said was, no doubt the VA do a lot of, a lot of good and, and they've got a lot to deal with. But what does it sort of feel like when you go there for help and we end up with is eight medications and, and you know, you, you don't need to have your head in the sand to, to you mentioned a few owls there and, and uh, you know, things start to be a sleep or knock you out um, and, and they can lead to a whole bunch of other problems. What? What does that sort of make you feel that you go there for help and or you? I still to... can't understand what you're saying, man. Oh, fuck it. Are we back? Is that working now? No, no. What's going on? Um, is that now? Are you good now? Yeah, I can hear you. Right. So I'll try try re re say that. Is that working okay? Yeah, so far so good. Right. So 
what I was saying is that the VA, you know, you go there for help and, you know, they've got a lot on their plate with, with many people needing help. And then you end up with a whole bunch of medications, which um, it's very, very common knowledge that they cause a lot of problems and different problems. How, do, how does that sort of make you feel um, initially that, you, you know, you go there for help and all you get is a, a prescriptive re response instead of an individual response. And then, um, is it? Do you think it's something to do with with your heritage that you that you wanted something more natural and more back to the land to to help you? And that that was the next path you took. Um, so the VA, there, it, you kind of you absolutely feel like a number. Um, it's you know you, you expect that in the military. You don't expect that with your healthcare. Mm. Um, especially after going through two campaigns, you know, and everything like that, uh, of combat, it just, it, you would literally walk into the doctor's office and they, they don't even look at you. It's oh, yeah. okay. Uh, you got this. And I'm like, is that a question? Yes. It's a question. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, this, this, blah, 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 what else? Okay, and literally, there's no personal connection there. There's nothing. They're just staring at their at their clipboard. And it's not every doctor, but, I mean, it's majority of them that are there for countless numbers a day because they see the same thing over and over and over. But the other side of it is that these doctors are probably like that because they deal with a lot of people who are trying to – rig the system or, or, or get all they can or, or whatnot. And, and, or they're dealing with a lot of people who day in, day out are actually messed up. And so they get. No, I've lost you. They never even look at you. Um, and that, that, that in and of itself has an, has a, has a severe mental effect on a lot of guys. And, because they, they just want to have that connection, that camaraderie with someone that they know will have their back. Um, the other half of that is a lot of these guys talk about the VA like it's bad. And I'm not saying all the VA is bad. There's a lot of good to it. But in order to see that good and not just be one of these guys that jumps on, one of these veterans that jumps on the bandwagon of, oh, fuck the VA and all that stuff you have to actually go to the appointments that they schedule for you. You have to go through the numbers. You have to do the paperwork. You have to be here at that time. You have to go to this outpatient clinic over here. They're going to, they're going to reimburse you for your travel. You know, they're going to do that. Now, when you get that pay, I don't know, because I'm still waiting on my pay from the VA that they promised me, you know, six months ago. Um, so it's like, there's a lot of different aspects there, but yeah, the VA overall right now is a very negative black eye because of the way that they're handling. I, I don't think that they were ready for this, the, the, the amount of, uh, of, the, of this PTS, and I don't like to call it PTSD because, you know, when you tell somebody enough times, that they have a disorder, they're going to start believing it and then they're going to start crutching on it. Mm. Um, and especially with the military, you know, like myself, I went in 17, 18 years old. That was how I knew how to become an adult. That was what I grew up doing in my adult 
you know, first 10 years of my adult life. So when we get out of the military and we have all these people telling us these things, in a sense, we are newborns to the civilian world. And you tell them something enough times, you know, nothing's more engaged than the mind of a six-year-old. Well, technically, we're kind of like six-year-olds. You know, we're like, oh, what's this? It, it's like uh, the movie Shawshank Redemption when, mm. when the old guy gets out. He's like, everything moves so fast out here, boys. I just, I almost just want to commit a crime and go back in, you know? And I was like, man, you know, he may be... 80 years old, fresh out of jail of doing 70 years or doing 40 years. But man, I can kind of relate to that. Um, but like I said, man, it's, it's not a fun process, but it is a process that you need to go through. If you want to do everything you can for yourself, don't be lazy about it. Then you, then you're just going to be a bandwagoner. Mm. Um, so going through that, I got down to 155 pounds on eight, when I was on eight different prescriptions. Um, it, at that point, I was like, okay, you know what? I, I packed my crap up. I still had lodging in Texas. And I lived in my truck for almost a year and a half, you know? And um, it was me and my, my Aussie cattle dog. Um, he, uh, man, I, they call him uh, his breed. He's Aussie Cattle Dog and Aussie Shepherd. So they call him in Texas, uh, Texas Healer, because the woman who did the first one in the States was, uh, was in Weatherford, Texas. So it was like, I call him my healer, but I also spell it H-E-A-L-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, animals have such a, a way to recognize energy within each other it's like if you ever want want to get a ju- good good judge of character on a person watch what your watch what your dog does around him you know if he growls and doesn't want to get near him that's probably a good judge of character i'm going to trust my dog on that one. um so having that connection or or just even that that pathway open and not being like oh that's dumb all oh, that man you tree hugger hippie no it's not any of that it's just a deep spiritual connection from the land that created us. I mean, it, it's being Native American, Lip and Apache, it, it's, we are one with the land. We are some of the best scouts back in the day for this area. It, it's, it's, to be a scout is, is something that is sacred. Um, and so having that kind of mindset was like, you know what? if they could go through what they did and, and, and still be as great as they are and still pass their bloodlines, still have that way to pass their bloodlines and, and survive all the way to me, you know, I, I can get through this. I, I can at least try something. Mm. Um, and that was part of the thinking on it. And I mean, it sounds, some people probably out there like, Oh, that's dumb. It's like, okay, well I'm still sitting here. So that's a win. So, um, you know, it, I, I went to that more natural and, and holistic lifestyle of trusting energy and meditation and getting out to, um, you know, the mountains, the Rocky Mountains here in the States, you know, up there in Montana, all the way down, you know, Colorado, and then down in New Mexico, um, 
whether it's the mountains or the deserts, those are really the only two places where I have felt such a deep connection with the land that it's, it's almost like some type of harmonic wave coming up as you're, as you're just kind of there. Um, you know, the Athabascan culture, which is which Apache derived from, it's, it's, it's all in that area. Um, and I first noticed that with myself. I was a sniper. I was part of the sniper instructor cadre out in uh, 29 Palms. And everybody hated that place because it was out there near Joshua Tree, California. There's nothing out there except Lava Rock Mountains. <laughs> and but it's a desert. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, it, it was just such a connection. I, I just felt like I could breathe. I just felt like I could think and, and do anything. And, um, I didn't really think of a, think about it back then as deep as I do now, because I still had the, the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, I still had that family and now being out, when I took off in my truck after I just totally cold turkey pharmaceuticals, um, which was not, not easy. So anytime you hear someone say just cold turkey, just be ready to put, you know, be ready for a, a, a dog fight with yourself. Mm. Um, I, I went straight up to Montana in my truck, just me and the dog and a bunch of training gear. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use my skills, what I can to teach and I'll make money along the way. And, you know, I'm, I remember looking over and my dog's name's Woodrow West, you know, West for my favorite direction, Woodrow for, you know, one of my favorite characters in Lonesome Dove. So <laughs> if that's not Texas, I don't know what is. So um, <laughs> I remember looking over at him a lot or just, you know, we, we pull up in a, on a trailhead and go camp out that night under the stars. And I, I would just hold him close and, and look at him and just tell him everything's going to be all right. And all he would do is just kind of cock his head, give me a few licks and put his paw and just want to play. And some people may look at that and be like, ah, he doesn't know what you're doing. It's like, no, he does. Mm. He knows exactly what he's doing for me. There's been, I can literally count three times that three significant times, you know, two before I took off in my truck with him, which I was living up in Frisco, Texas, up, up north of Dallas. And I could just feel like this, everything just going black and this rage and sadness at the same time, just coming over me. I remember sitting, uh, sitting on the floor, you know, we, we, for some reason I have no problem sleeping on a hard floor or flat floor or any of that because of the military. So I'll have a pretty, I'll have a perfectly good couch, but I'll be sitting on the floor in front of it with my back up against it, you know? And I could just feel this like a cloud, like, like this dark energy coming over me. And the, the first time he, he pawed and licked my neck, like just one real quick. And I was, just, and it kind of caught me out of it. And he kept nudging my arm, like, and he didn't have a ball. He didn't have a stick. He didn't have, you know, I didn't say the word cows. So it's like, <laughs> I can't even spell that around him and he'll get excited. Um, and he knew what was going on. Um, 
The second time, he literally bit me. I was, I was sitting there shaking with my hands, just gripping I, nothing. I just gripping in a fist, shaking, just almost starting to hyperventilate. And I'm, I, I, I assume that he had tried almost like an escalation of force, tried to paw, lick, do whatever. Get finally, it, <laughs> And he didn't break skin, but it broke that, 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 that dark energy that just kind of came over me. Um, And I looked at him and I just, you know, that, that was, that was something that didn't happen by mistake. No. And after that second time is when I, I decided to just, cold turkey and take off and just try to find that connection that I had in those moments with him. Mm. Um, you know, my father would tell me, you know, if you listen to the land, it'll tell you all you need to know. I mean, well, we all come from the land, you know, we, we all, you know, there's a saying that's be as proud as the land that made you. I mean, we, we work the land, we, we, we walk the land, we run, we, we swim, we, we do all these things here. So to have that energy always pumping in us is something that I truly believe in. Mm. Um, you're saying about dogs there and, and one other really powerful and, and I guess judge, judge of character animal is, is the horses that you've also got a deep connection to. Um, my Dad's been on a, a a coaching course with with New Zealand Sport this week, and one of the things I've been doing is is dealing with horses. And um, his father, my grandfather, always had race horses. And and I I read your post this morning about you know be careful, don't walk behind them, wash their ears. And you're right, I've got this irrational fear of the horses, despite never nothing ever happening to me, and always having a great connection with them. And and now I have this strange desire to, to learn to ride them and, and, and play polo. But what what did they start to tell you about your energy and, and where you're at and, and how, to, how to create more of a connection with yourself when you got back to the horses? Man, so each animal I feel, you know, that, that we have connections with is has its own wavelength, you know. Mm. To, to speak on just like they all speak the same language, but in different dialects, it's, it's something. And, and that's not a literal statement. That's something that's just kind of like a, uh, an analogy, I guess. Um, dealing with dogs or, or even just West was such a enormous level for me to, to get to that. I remember, you know, I was like, man, I've worked ranches growing up. I, I've learned to break horses growing up. I've learned to take care of horses, you know, shaw horse and, and whatnot. I wonder, because in, in Native American culture, there, there's not many words for horse. <laughs> you know, like in Sioux culture, they just call them a big dog. <laughs> That's literally all that they are. Um, 
the, the thing about it is that their eye, I feel like we have such a, people feel such a more deeper connection with the horses because that eye is standing and there's, and they have such, such valiant size and, 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 and so much, you know, power to them that, that we almost feel inferior to them, but really we're just equals. And you can look in a horse's eye and I remember just one day I was, me and a buddy bought, um, bought a project horse at this ranch I was working on in central Texas for a couple of years. Um, it was actually, you know, a buddy, buddy sniper of mine that we went into snipers together in um, 2000, January, 2011, I believe he, um, he stepped on a IED and lost his right leg above the knee. Um, the fucker flatlined on the bird and I thought he was done, but <laughs> he, he made it back somehow because they last word I got before we started a big operation was that he didn't make it. Oh man. And, yeah. And that was my best friend. He's my daughter's godfather. Like my daughter was born in 2009 and then 2011 rolls around and TJ is like, yeah. So we bought a project horse because no, we never thought that we'd be working a ranch together in central Texas. Hmm. Um, so this horse's name was Eli and, I, and he always had a problem with females and he would always, he always nip at the hair and whatnot and, and not like them and, and nip at their chest. And I think it was just, you know, the, the, hormonal output or, or whatnot because you know we, we release all this all this energy these hormones these smells that we can't smell mm. animals and i guess he just didn't like it well i brought my daughter out um she was eight years old at the time and she had long hair and she literally we go to the round pen i put eli in the round pen and, and we go and i was like and i i warned her you know, she already, she, she, she knows from just watching me around horses to, you know, not, not walk behind, or if you do always keep a hand on them, you know, stuff like that. And, and I mean, she would walk underneath horses that I would work with. And, um, but Eli, I, I wasn't too sure about him yet until she goes, dad, you just gotta, t it's like you told me, you know, you just gotta, you gotta look them in the eye and you gotta feel them. And I was like, all right, let's see what, see what you got. And um, I think it, it, it all came to a big circle for me when she just walked right up to him and he put his head down. They, they introduced each other. She put her head right above his, right above his nose and just kind of went like this and just touched forehead to nose for a little bit. And I remember walking up next to her and just looking at his eye and you could see it. You could, you could see this, this, this want, this, 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 this want to bond, this energy flowing between all of us at that moment. And you could see that he could feel, you know, what each of us were feeling at that moment. And it, it's, I, to this day, I wish I could put it in, in simple words because, you know, Einstein said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't know it well enough. Know. I, I mean, I, it's something that I will forever chase is that energy 
to have that flow state. It, that, that's, that's really the only thing that I can explain that is, is was that we were in a flow state mm. in that moment. And the rest of the evening, we were fine. I had, I'd put her on, I, you know, I'd get on him bareback and just kind of like, you know, put him into a, a little gate and whatnot. But, and he was fine. I mean, but when he would get a bunch of people around him that had this, you know, this, this energy of very controlling or, or got to do everything now and, and daily grind and all this stuff. He would, he would, he would, he would go, he wouldn't be himself. Mm. You know, man, the energy connection with, with horses, the, this, the, this connection that we have with, with animals, we are in ourselves animals as well. It's just, you know, we've evolved a lot faster than all the others. Um, and so we, to, to think that we don't have that connection is, is in my opinion, uh, ignorant. I mm. mean, it, I'm not saying ignorance is a bad thing. It just means you don't know it yet. Yeah. Uh, you haven't given it a chance. So. And, and you brought up a, a flow state there and how you've now got in touch with meditation. Um, Obviously, sitting behind a rifle, and you put up a post the other day about shooting a three-hour wait out to 1,200 uh, yards. And for a popular hunting rifle in New Zealand, you know, people people shy away from a 300-yard or meter shot. You're 1,200 <laughs> yards. What is it? What for starters to put it into perspective? How far does a bullet drop at 1,200 yards? And and also, what, what what's, the, what's the head space? Uh, you you know, like you said, that, that flow state of that, of that shooting mentality, it's, it takes discipline and repetition just to get there. Um, it's a meditation all its own. It's, you know, to be a precision shooter or, or a sniper, it's an art form, you know, like I, like when I teach stalking or camouflage, you know, stalking is the movement within the vegetation from point A to point B or within your natural surroundings, I, I tell people to paint themselves into the landscape. So you're not just gonna sit there and boom, smother it all on. No, you're gonna Bob Ross that with some happy stocking and happy ghillie suits and stuff like that, right? <laughs> you have to look at it in almost a methodical, you know, deliberate methodical movements um, in, in, in mind and, and train of thought. Because when you're shooting out past, you know, I mean, you're looking at 32, you know, 32, roughly about 26, 26 mils going up. Yeah, you, you, got, quite drop. you got quite a drop. I mean, it's so to be able to hit something out that out in that distance accurately, the rifle needs to be an extension of your body. I mean, it's an extra arm, you know, it's, it's, it's an extra, I always like to, you know, we, we, we center that rifle right, right between us. But when I first learned that I was like, okay, yeah, it's just because proper bone support. Cool. Recoil management. Cool. But now if you think about it, what do we do in meditation? We, we, we try to come back to center. We try to center ourselves. We concentrate on that air and the breathing and, and it going down the throat, down the, into the lungs, filling them up. And what is that? That's our center. 
So to have that rifle in our center, I believe I like to feel it as like a, an extension of, of my heart almost, uh, just another ventricle of, of where I'm, I'm pushing my energy in, into there. Um, all the way down to the way I grip the rifle, how, how I don't give a full beer can grip or anything like that. I'm literally barely resting my hand. I've always got my thumb just behind that safety on the right side of the Remington 700 blueprint, you know, finger at 90 degrees to where the only thing that's moving is that finger. And it's just boom. And it's an injection mm. of all your energy into the beginning of the ballistics. Once those ballistics take over, that internal ballistics, from the moment that that primer is, is triggered to the moment it leaves the tip of the barrel, to intermediate ballistics being that first meter outside that rifle, to the external, all the way till the time it hits the target at terminal ballistics. I, I remember always, whether I was downrange in, in a firefight or, or just training back stateside in Quantico or, or whatnot, my thought process was literally from the time I thought about getting behind the rifle. That's, you know, that's when it started for me. That, that was my mental pre-shot checklist. And I wish so, or so much more early on after I got out of the military that I had just remembered that mm -hmm. and transferred it, you know, but it, to be able to transfer that, you have to have certain elements to fulfill in those spots where there is no longer a rifle. So I think that was the big thing, just like for athletes, when they, when they leave, you know, like my buddy John Wellborn with Power Athlete down in, down in Austin, he talks a lot about it. He was played for the Chiefs for all those years. He got out, you know, he, he, he had to fulfill, he had to fill that void. He had to, he had to do something. Um, so to be able to find what you're going to fill that with in order to find your center again is, is a journey all its own. And it's one not, I don't recommend to take alone. Mm. Uh, it's like in, in the sniper, sniper teams, you got a shooter, you got a spotter always beside you. I mean, that's, that's in the recon, you know, in the Marine Recon Raiders Scout Sniper area, it, it started, you know, in dive, in the dive area of the teams, it was, you know, never above you, never below you, always beside you. It was a, it was a, it was a dive term. And um, with the Marines being amphibious force, it just spread throughout, you know, the teams. And then it went over to recon. And now, now, you know, recon and snipers are using it. And, and really all we're saying is always beside you, ABY. So if you see like a hashtag, ABY, it means, hey, always beside you, man. And, um, and that, that, that translates to a lot of different things in this, in, in life. Um, and that really helps with the meditation because it, to feel like you're all alone at times, you're, you're going to lose that, that focus. You're going to lose that concentration, that, that, that center of energy that, that you can, that will allow you to do anything. But until you find that, fill those voids, um, that you had for so long, you, that, like I said, that's a journey in all of itself. But I think one of the biggest things was I went through some brain treatment where they're trying meditation. Um, the clinic that, that I was at is no longer around. Um, and he was running me through these things. And he said, you know, most people 
who um, I, I had been doing it for maybe a week. And he said, most people take about six months to even just, you know, actually get to the point where they feel and can concentrate on the lungs getting into the, and I was, and I just, he goes, can you explain what you're feeling right now? And I explained it to him and he goes, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm, and I, I just kind of was like, well, they taught us diaphragmatic breathing, you know, as snipers because we have to sit there and either shoot at our natural respiratory pause in a steady rhythm or have a, what's called a forced breath when we're, you know, under stress. Um, which a forced breath is just that boom and that's the forced breath so there's either that breathing from the diaphragm or the forced breath and so it, it uh, I don't know if it was that or if it was just the way my father raised me and, and the wisdom that he passed on and everything like that that I already kind of had that energy within me but I mean meditation has been one of the best things I I'm an overthinker naturally, so I to 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 be able to understand myself on how to meditate. God, you want to talk about overthinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was, yeah. So I, I I'd have to say that the journey of filling those voids in order to learn how to be who you need to be or who you want to be post a career don't do that journey alone and just just trust in your energy trust your gut that, that gut feeling is that energy so nice and yeah i, I love that always always beside you i'll be yeah that's that's powerful man um you spoke about rogue rogue america uh and what what is that about man? <clears throat> uh, so rogue american apparel yeah, yeah. um there's yeah, so it was Wes Whitlock, who is a Marine as well. Um, he's down there out of Austin. Um, boy, that guy, I mean, he is a – number one, he, he's he, he's just all-around badass. You know, he, <laughs> that is how – Wes is who I met um, Burt through at mm -hmm. SHOT Show here. Um, and one of the three years that I went through shot to shot show, I I'm not really a Vegas fan. I like to, <laughs> I, not, I don't like big cities. I don't like Vegas. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. Never really have. So, um, you know, I'll take a ranch and a cookout any day. So it, when, when I met Wes, it was, um, <laughs> my, I rode my Harley down. It was labor day. Uh, I want to say 2014 or something like that. I, I had a Harley custom, you know, I built it throughout my deployments, ape hangers on it and everything like that. So I rode it down to Austin about four hour drive from here. And, uh, he was putting on a course with a Marine Raider buddy of mine. And, um, I, I was kind of driving it off road and it hit a few bumps and it kind of just shorted a wire and my bike broke down. So we got a trailer and I spent the night at his house, but we ended up staying up till five, four or five in the morning, um, just sipping cigar or sipping whiskey and smoking cigars, just talking about life, man. Um, that, that again, that, that, that deep spiritual energy that you don't have to force to come out. 
that's when you know that that person was meant to be in your life. Um, just like with Bert, just like with Derek Woodski, um, <laughs> all these people from Sorenax, it, it's, it's an amazing feeling when you get that. And, and Wes was one of the first people after I got out of the military that I ever felt that with. And, and he was like, he's like, brother, we're going to be okay. Mm. Um, you know, and, and to this day, I'll support him. I'll support whatever he does. Um, you know, he's, he's one of a kind. He truly is. He, he's just one of those, him and Bert are a lot alike in many ways. <laughs> so. And how, how powerful is that? Just simple, simple words like, hey, brother, we're going to be okay. You know, and that, I think probably what added power to that is, like you said, the, the energy and, and the connection was there and to, to know that somebody not only says something that talks to you, but comes from a place that, that resonates with you. Um, yeah. What do, what do you reckon? <laughs> Am I lost again? No. <laughs> I heard, I heard somewhat of what you said. Um, to, I guess if I understood you correctly, the, to have that coming from someone like Wes and, and where yeah. he came from and being the Marine and, and now a successful businessman and everything like that. Um, he, uh, it, it was, it, it was, it was a relief, <laughs> say, but at the same time, it, I still had yet to step off on my post-military career journey. I had just gotten out yeah. um, when him and I, I, I think I was technically still in the, in the Marine Corps. Um, and so I was like, hey, right on, cool. Yeah, let's do this. Well, I didn't know what I had in store for me that in, in my life's path. You know, all of our all of our paths are already set. You know, it's just we need to fulfill them. You know, every every decision we make, good or bad, lazy or productive, is already set. It's just some find them earlier than others. So, um, if I could, if I could go back and, and see what I was about to go through for the next four or five years, man, I probably would have shit my pants. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I, I, um, it, it's there's been times, like I said earlier, where where um, I would not sleep for weeks. I, there's been times when I would sleep for weeks. It's, I don't know, working at that ranch, um, I absolutely loved it because it was very independent. It was like, you know, the sniper team where, you know, everybody's got, knows their work, knows what to do and doesn't have to have someone standing over their back mm. saying, hey, do this, do that, do this, do this. All right, now move here. No, we, we were very independent workers. That's just independent operators. That's just how it is. You have to be. It's a higher learning curve over there. Um, so being on that ranch, it was nice. And this connects to me saying that our paths are already set. And you, and if you look back on your life and, and see how connected everything is, that's that spirit within all things, you know, that, that, that's guiding you, um, that, that energy. 
that that flow state that's always there but you just got to be able to recognize it um when i got back into riding bulls i was it was just kind of for me it was how like my dad would always go play i mean my dad played professional softball up until he was like 70 years old you know <laughs> actually 73 74 now um he would go and play, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then tournaments on the weekends. Um, and then, you know, when he was hurt, he would just play Thursday nights. <laughs> and so I looked at it like, okay, well, I'm going through the VA or, you know, I've, and I've been blown up. I got spurs in my neck. I got lung capacity taken out from blunt force trauma. I got all this stuff. I'm just going to go, you know, find something that kind of gives me somewhat of a drive. Mm-hmm. And I looked up the nearest rodeo company in Texas, and it was in, at the time I I was out of Gatesville, Texas, just west of Waco, and he was down in Belton, Texas, and he um, it's called Bad Dog Rodeo Company because he mm-hmm. had he had an Aussie cattle um, <laughs> dog that it was his first dog after while he was in the Marine Corps and it got run over and it was his favorite dog of all time. So he named his Rudy and all he wanted to do was just raise buck and stock, you know? And, um, I go down there cause one of my buddies who's uh bullfights for us in the PBR, um, well, he, he fights on the premier level. He, uh, his name's Shorty Gorham. He's like, Hey man, you know, and he's a huge veteran supporter. Like, I mean, runs cat hunts down in Catula, Texas with dogs and everything like that. Amazing dude. And, um, and it helps his family. Andy fights bulls and protects cowboys on the weekend. <laughs> you know, almost every weekend of the, of the year. So he, uh, he was like, hey, man, why don't you come on down? I'm putting on a bullfighting school, um, which a bullfighter in the arena in the States is what most people would think is – or call rodeo clown. Do not call them rodeo clowns. They're <laughs> angels. Man. They, they've saved my bacon. They're, they fight those bulls like nobody else's business. And I owe a lot to those guys. So he was put on a bullfighting school. And um, this guy named Kevin Hoyt ran the ran Bad Dog Rodeo Company. And um, it was on his seven acres. He had his bulls. He had his bullpen. He had his alley. He had his practice shoot. And it was all covered. And I was like, man, this is a really nice arena and setup for, for being on seven acres. And Shorty's like, yeah, 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 wait till you meet him. I, he was a Marine as well. <laughs> and I, I looked over at Shorty and I was like, and Shorty's real name is Seth, but everyone calls him Shorty. I was like, he was? And he goes, yeah, he, I, I'm pretty sure he was a, uh, from your community. And I was like, Kevin Hoyt? Huh how old is he? And, and, you know, he's probably in his late forties, early fifties and, um, just cowboy as fuck, you know? And, and <laughs> I mean, I look him up. We have, we had a, we have a private pages on the internet. Uh, you gotta be vetted by like six different people just to get in them that you are either sniper recon, special amphibious reconnaissance corpsman, which is our medics or a raider. And, um, so I put his name out there. Hey, anyone ever heard of Kevin Hoyt? And guys were like, what? Where's he been? That dude's a legend. He's killed more people than cancer and, and all this stuff. And, and they were like, tell Bird Dog what's up. And, I, and so I look at him uh, and I meet Kevin. 
And, you know, we, we do that. We, and Shorty sat in the back because we all go to get beer for after the school. And um, me and Kevin just start shooting the shit of people that we know and the places that we're both at and everything like that. And schools we both went to, but different times. And um, <laughs> at, the, at, at the end of the day, I remember sit, sitting on my couch at the ranch and just being like, there's no way this happened by chance. Yeah. There's no fucking way. The, you know, in all of Texas, Texas is pretty big as itself for the lower 48, but holy crap. Something is at work here. Something, something bigger than, than, the, than what any of us can see. I know a lot of people have to see to believe, but something's telling me to just feel, just, just, just go with my gut. Be, be part of that energy that, that's just flowing through this right now. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start riding here. And he helped me get back into riding shape. He told me what I needed to do. And, and, and he pretty much became my coach. And I would go there Sundays and Wednesdays and practice riding bulls. And finally, some guys would come up from the PBR circuit or pro circuit. Be like, hey, man, you ride? I was like, yeah. They were like, what circuit are you in? I was like, oh, I'm, I just come out here, you know, like old guys go play softball on Thursday nights. <laughs> They're like, man, you should, you should really – think about it and I was like hmm the first couple times I, I I shoot it off and then I was like you know what rodeo traveling's not cheap and they're not going to ask somebody who they don't think is going to be able to carry their weight screw it I, I put in an application to the PBR and um you know but after I'd been riding some pro open rodeos and I was just like oh cool all right I'll do this we're we're doing this. I, I, all right. And it just started gaining steam. And, and, and Bert was more than, he was like, dude, he like grabbed me by the shoulders. He's like, let's get you in shape. Let, let's get you, let's get you in there and, and everything like that. I'm like, dude, awesome. And everybody, you know, I remember <laughs> the first year I went to summer strong, it was summer strong 10. And I'm the only one there in like cowboy boots, you know, besides pops with Tristan Sorn, he wears, he wears his, he's got like this, this, this outfit of, of boots and they're like white snakeskin boots or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. But so other than him, I'm the only other guy in boots, but like my jeans are starched. I'm wearing a pearl snap and everything like that. And people are just kind of like looking at me, you know, you have these big, big dudes. You have these like real in shape tight, like knit athletes, runners, sprinters, throwers, professional football players, all these stuff that are kind of looking at me and I'm just, you know, I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm this. I was a scout sniper. No, it's like I'm, I'm just going to kind of blend in. I, I'm here to learn. I'm forever. I always, I always remind myself that. And, and so I'm sitting there just trying to learn. Everybody's like, oh, okay, well, what do you do? And they're like, and I'm like, oh, I ride bulls. And they're like, what? That's awesome. <laughs> the sport of rodeo is coming up so quickly and everything, but it's been around almost the longest in the States. And, uh, and just, that's the kind of atmosphere that, that is, that is the energy that, that is put out at, at Sorenex. Uh, it's not like, Oh, whatever. Well, my bench is this. No, fuck that. They, all those ego, egos are checked way away probably checked at the state line you know? <laughs> it's just so, so receptive it's it's about a community that's why everybody looks at it as a recharge 
And so for that recharge every year, people were like, man, this isn't enough. And then came winter strong and we just had that huge recharge from winter strong and winter strong was a little bit different from summer strong being that it was more outdoors and hunting oriented. So, you know, we had, you know, Adam from Journal Mountain hunting and, and, and the rivets who I absolutely love. They're out of Canada, Johnny and Jen rivet. Oh, they're, they're West godparents. I swear. They, they <laughs> <laughs> that whole weekend, it was all wild game. And, um, I mean, just all the people, Bert and everybody are, are just coming together. There is never an idea that's like, no, sit down. That was dumb. Sit down. It's like, okay, I see what you're trying to get at. Let's, let's work on that. Let's, let's do it. Let's build it up. And it, it's, man, it, it just, I totally forgot what your question was, but I just kind of got on this, this, this spiel because I, it makes me smile. And it, rem it reminds me of being you know, of, well, okay, now I caught my thought again. <laughs> it just, of, Everything's all right. <laughs> that it was meant to, that it was meant to be in, in, in my path. And this is my path. And how you know you're on the right path is that, you know, you're, you're happy. You're, you can feel like there, there's, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because for so many years, so many nights, it was just so dark, you know, and I would never wish those nights on my worst enemy. You know, at least there's a respect there because you're both fighting a war against each other, but you don't understand them. Yeah. People, it's, it's tough, man. So, so I really respect everyone that's come into my life and, and everything that has been in my path, just waiting for me to, to explore, you know, I'm so grateful for all those people in my life and then grateful for, for you and everybody that, that wants to hear what I have to say, because for so long, veterans think that, you know, no one really wants to hear what I have to say. Well, why am I so special? You know, I'm, I'm just like the, the other guy. We each have a story, you know, so it just, who knows? It, it could, it could save someone's life. It could turn someone into the next person that cures cancer. Who knows? Mate, you're exactly right. And, and who's to know how powerful those words were that, you know, things are going to be all right. And I guess it kind of sums up what this podcast is about. You know, it probably speaks to guys our age and, you know, you, you get a lot of different thoughts going on. There's a lot of different societal pressures. And when, when you see someone that's living a life less ordinary, and in your case, you get, get, you know, get to see behind the scenes of people and, and they tell you that, you know, whatever journey you're on right now is is the right one and and it's exactly that you speak about you know having a little bit of empathy for where someone's at and and the different things that might happen from their life and doesn't matter where they've been keep keep pushing forward in that flow it's it's powerful mate um so what what can we expect from from brady coming up and where do people get the opportunity to to follow you on, on Super um, stuck, stoked that now I've, I've, I've connected and found you, man. It's working. <laughs> you did all the Woodskyism thing, though. That was that's key. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, um, we're, we're trying to on the Woodskyism thing on, on Instagram. You know, my Instagram is uh, Totanka with the O. It's T O T A N K A, but the O is a zero. Um, you know, that's on Instagram. I, I got off of Facebook just because of. Uh, you know, I still contract and all that stuff. 
um, whenever I need cash and whatnot. Plus, I, I just I feel like Facebook's a little played out now. Um, but I have Twitter, same name on Twitter as Instagram. But uh, it, uh, you know, it, the thing about social media these days is it's such a it's such a fun game. You know? <laughs> if, you, if you look at it like like it's supposed to be taken seriously you know there are serious posts and and tweets or whatnot but don't let it control your life get outside get go 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 grab your friend that 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 you haven't talked to in a while or go find some veterans or go find some some former athletes and whatnot and, and take them outside you know um go have some fun and record it or whatnot, you know, the whole, if you didn't take a picture, it never happened. I don't know, but record it, throw it on Instagram, tag us, tag, tag me. I don't care. Just, just, just do, do great with your life. Go be legendary, you know? Mm. And you know, if, if, if anybody can make it a summer strong 12, which is May 12th or May 18th, they're in at Stornex headquarters in Lexington, South Carolina, come on out. You'll, you'll absolutely love it. You'll love the atmosphere. You'll learn quite a bit. We, we have speakers go on from, you know, from retired athletes who talk about, you know, how to deal with uh, concussions or how to deal with the injury, which turned them into a coach. Coaches that teach you how to lift better. Teaches that coaches that teach you how to think better. People, military veterans that tell you their story that you can't, take pictures or record of, you know, and, and because of, of what they speak of and, and everything like that, motivational speakers. I mean, just anyone and everyone comes there and just shares this, this love and energy. Like I try to do on the internet. Um, and so it's because at the end of the day, if I can help one person in this world with what I have, then my life will be a success. Bottom line. That's, that's what we're here to do. You know, we we come from a civilization of, of tribes and that used to hunt saber tooth tigers together with sticks running 40 miles a day and not even bat an eye at it. Yeah. We, we are always beside you, you know? And, you know, if you follow my story, I'm not always sure what's going to come next, but I do know this, and that's that we're all going to be okay. Mm. Mate, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Now, my social media is a little bit um, split personality. I've got one page that follows hunting and uh, I sort of put out my family life and then this other page that follows high performance and uh, I chuck the podcast up on. <laughs> but I think that exactly what you said there, it's it's a bit of a fun game and, I, you know, you can have a social media that makes you jealous and... and um, you know, it gives you FOMO or you can have a social media that you tailor that brings a lot of fun and laughter and um, motivation, inspiration, discipline, things that move you forward. And yeah, um, like this podcast proved to you that, that there is another way out there. There is people that are going through hardship and getting through the other side. And, and that's why it's been freaking awesome to, to have you on. And, and I'll have links to that in the show notes. So be sure to you know, if you want an easy way to track you down, click on that. Um, you've just left us with a couple of things. Is there anything else, man? Any way that you're thinking going forward or or a key thought that's changed your life that you'd like to share 
um, before we go? Because this has been fantastic, man. Um, you know, it, it's there. There's so many different things that I could, I could say. Um, there, there's so many different things that I could tell you, but number one, nothing's over. Mm. The hard times aren't over. The easy times are yet to come. Happy times will always be there. You just gotta find them. But there's always something that just kind of resonated with me. Um, you know, it's something that I thought of the other day. And it was like, you know, this ain't a just getting started. This is a follow through. It's taking what you've been through for legendary status and what you're going to do. So, you know, that's sounds like a song lyric, but it's something that I, I didn't really have to think about or write down and revise four or five times. I just, boom, one and done. And I was like, whoa, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Nice. Nice. So you, you just tweaked last night. We watched a film on, on Netflix. It's got Zach Galifianakis in it. It's a bit of a black comedy and it's called um, A Funny Story. And, yeah. and in that, he quotes Bob Dylan in it. With, and to this kid, he doesn't realize that it's Bob Dylan, but he says, <laughs> get, get busy living or be, be busy dying. And, and he yeah, <laughs> goes along those same lines. Mate. It's, it's awesome. Bro, this has been absolutely awesome and like especially for yeah, my I really appreciate it truly appreciate it especially for my audience that's you know mostly new zealand and australia you know our, our biggest sort of military sort of stuff especially in new zealand there's a bit more of it in, in australia going, going into action but you know we're we sort of come 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 and peace keep but um and like I ran into Victoria Cross the other day in the supermarket and said, kia ora, bro. And he's like, kia ora. It's a, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I need to come down there, man. It, it's, New Zealand and Australia are definitely on my bucket list. So, uh, But sooner rather than later, uh, Kai's trying to get me down there, go do a little walkabout or whatnot. And, uh, so. Yeah, she'll, she'll introduce you to another legend of this podcast, Adam, Adam Kavner. And there I'm, you go. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people around that can – I actually I think Kai's friends with them, but they could link you out with Adam Greentree. You know, who's up there, up there, up there in terms of bow hunters from Australia, mate. That that guy's a legend. Um, so yeah, Man, I like I like to meet anyone new. I'll treat the CEO just the same as the janitor, and the janitor just the same as the CEO. So legend. We'll we'll leave it there. I'll, I'll push stop, and this has been awesome. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. <sighs> Gotta let that sink in. As I said at the start, um, when I finished this podcast, I had shivers and just playing it back. Then, in order to record this outro, I'm blown away by the messages that Brady shared. I was sort of hanging on every word because I didn't know what was going to come next. It was all-powerful all and all-consuming. Um, so many topics that we've brought up time and time again. You know, empathy, uh, not not being judging of where somebody is at a point in time, um, reaching out to a good friend or, or somebody that you don't even know and, and improving their life is, you know, just small things that we can do to grow this tribe. You know, he's supposed to be the tribe there. And, um, yeah, powerful message. I think he said it all. So I'm going to leave it at that. And um, definitely if you've enjoyed this, make sure you tag both myself and Brady, and of course, I'll have his links in the show notes. So just click through there, tag us in a post. Um, I'd love to hear what you thought. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was powerful. 
And on, as always, the podcast was brought to you by Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T, zero dot P-R-U-V-I-T-N-O-W dot com. That's Waikito with a zero dot proveitnow.com and that's to get your hands on exogenous ketones. If you're in the US, Canada, Australia or East Asia, exogenous ketones are just a mixed powder. There you go with water, gets you into ketosis in under an hour. Great feeling, um, excellent, as I said in the, in the podcast about ketosis and head injury. Um, some value in being in a contact situation and preventing the damage that might occur should you get head trauma. Um, very good for keeping your cognitive ability strong, even if you haven't had a head injury like myself. Um, it gives you clear burning fuel and helps the brain run really well. Um, I was listening to something today with Ben Binkman, usually in um, vitro, so in culture, they'll have a brain and they'll have the artificial cerebrospinal fluid bathing in glucose and they look at the way the brain functions still, they keep it running. And with time, the function of the brain deteriorates. Now they changed that cerebral spinal fluid to have ketones in it and there was no potentiation of the brain waves. So that was something pretty remarkable and he's also looking to see if he can create an artificial cerebrospinal fluid with no glucose whatsoever and see if it can just keep the brain running on sole ketones in this in vivo situation. Obviously it's not real life um, because our bodies always have some level of circulating glucose made by the liver but yeah quite interesting that that's the phenomenon that happens in the lab. If you're in New Zealand just reach out on the Facebook page W-A-I-K-E-T-O or on my Instagram at Stagvision if you'd like to get your hands on exogenous ketones. Um, and of course, in the show notes, you'll grab the link to Mark Kluwer's Wim Hof sessions in the Gold Coast and in Coffs Harbour. If you're interested, that's on the end of April. Um, just head to the show notes. Have a good week. This was powerful. Let it sink in. And uh, we'll catch you the following week. Cheers.